All right. Well, we are continuing with uh, our series on the Harmony Vineyard Way, which is represented by these uh, posters that you see at the front of the church. And I feel like every once in a while it's a good idea to revisit those, right? Because they really represent sort of the tenets of our church, the things that, you know, kind of how we believe church should be done and how we want to do it. And so we want to just spend a little bit of time talking about each one. And there was a group of us that was going through um, a, a class, uh, it's called Kingdom Leadership Journey, and this was something that came out of the vineyard in Urbana. And uh, one of the last subjects that we talked about was preaching. And so we are giving each member of uh, that class an opportunity to present one of these um, tenants or pillars or whatever. And so last week you heard Mark. This week is uh, John Potter's turn. So I'd invite John to come up. And we're going to uh, just pray for John, and then uh, we'll turn it over to him. So, Lord, I, I thank you for my brother John. Lord, I just, uh, we have uh, we've been on this journey together now for almost nine years. And, uh, Father, you have blessed us so much in that time. So I just pray uh, a mighty blessing upon him today that uh, the words that you have given him to speak, Lord, he would speak with power and authority that it would uh, penetrate deep to the hearts and minds of those who are listening. Bring to his uh, remembrance anything that you would have him to say that he has not already written down or thought about. For we want to be open to uh, your promptings, Lord. So we give you thanks and praise, and we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. How are we this morning? Good morning. Now, right up front, I'm going to tell you that this is my first delve into technology. And uh, it's not working 100%, so bear with me. When we did the slideshow, the slides that were pictures now aren't there. So you'll have to bear with me. George has put a description of what the picture was. <laughs> So you can imagine it, and I'll, I will help try to develop it. Okay, I'm getting a one-minute sign. Are we set? No, I, only the first one. Only the first one. Okay, well, the blank ones, and I'll describe, and you really can imagine it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know what was there. But as Jeff said, uh, this week we're continuing the series on the Harmony Vineyard Way. And as evident by the posters in the front, there are six pillars that we embrace as being what makes up what we believe church should be and what we believe the members of a church should aspire to become and live up to. Um, they are identity, mission, growth, diversity, unity, and truth. And while they interweave, they all stand on their own. So the order in which we take them really isn't all that important. Um, and when we decided to launch this, you know, Mark jumped right on truth because that's what his, his passion was. And I'm passionate about mission. So I jumped right on that one. So if I get on my soapbox a little too much, let me know. But uh, 
Here we go. <clears throat> Mission. And you can read along with me up there. Um, I actually think I have a slide on this one that came through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Again, me and technology. I'm too old for technology. <laughs> I mean, I was the guy who caught the rope when Noah moored the ark, you know. So <laughs> brought him in, tied him off. So, no, technology wasn't too big then. But our mission, our mission is to make disciples. We believe that the best way of doing this is by practicing a naturally supernatural lifestyle. Obeying the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus. We actively look for ways to reach out to our neighbors in our community. So, everyone cool with that? Yep. So, in order to figure out what's really going on here, I think the first thing we need to do is look at what mission is. Um, so, if we define it, Okay, we've got another one missing. Okay, the definition of a mission didn't come through. So mission, it's a group or committee of people sent to a foreign country to conduct negotiations, establish relations, provide scientific and technical assistance, or the like. That's number one definition on dictionary.com. And of course, if it's on the internet, it has to be right, correct? Okay. The second one is the business with which such a group is charged. The third definition is any important task or duty that is assigned, allotted, or self-imposed. An example might be a group of people that find a child and say something like, uh, our mission is to find the child a safe home. And I'm getting an awful lot of ringing. Is everyone else hearing that? Okay. Um, Number four is an important goal or purpose that is accompanied by strong conviction, a calling or vocation, such as someone has finally found a mission for their life. A mission can also include ascending or being sent of some duty or purpose and those who are sent. So, if we're having a mission, who goes on a mission? Well, the answer is missionaries, right? Okay. So, what's a missionary? It's a person sent by a church into an area to carry on evangelism or other activities as educational or hospital work. Or, number two, a person strongly in favor of a program or set of principles who attempts to persuade or convert others. Three is a person sent on a mission. So, what are the necessary components of a mission? First, I believe that a mission needs to be commissioned. There needs to be an entity with the authority and the resources to send a mission. We good so far? Good. Next, the mission needs an objective, usually the mission statement but it needs to have a defined purpose or goal that its outcome can be measured against so we know if the mission was a success or a failure. We, we have to have that. Third is the plan. 
how are we going to do the mission? What's going on? What's going to happen? Fourth is a support team. And the support team will be defined by the mission. Uh, the next is the mission field or where. And once we have those, we pick the missionaries. And after we've got everything in place, we execute the mission. We good so far? Okay. So, let's use an example. And this is our first blank one. Nope. Okay, we'll go with that. They're out of order, too. <laughs> now, to illustrate or go through what a mission is, I chose to use the Apollo program. Everyone familiar with the Apollo program? Okay. Within the Apollo program, there were several missions. So we're going to actually look at one of the missions. But if we look at this, who initiated the Apollo program? It was the United States government, correct? And NASA. Did they have the authority to do the mission? Did they have the resources to do the mission? So they qualify as a mission. They have the position to initiate it. Next, was there an objective? What was the mission to do? And the mission, I'm sorry? Yes, the mission was to put a man on the moon and return him safely home. So simply getting to the moon would not have fulfilled the mission. We had to get him back safely. Was there a plan? Very good, there was a plan. Now, it's very interesting reading if you go out on the network and or up the internet and research this, but there were a lot of contending plans and a lot of infighting on what it was, but they finally settled on what they call the direct launch, orbiting the Earth to make sure everything worked right, going to the moon, orbiting the moon, recheck everything, separating command module from the lunar lander, landing, getting out, going back, orbiting, returning, and landing. So there was a lot going on in the plan, but they had a plan. Okay. Did they have a support team? Yes, yes they had mission control. They actually had 500 separate, separate contractors building the pieces to make the rocket and the capsules. It was a huge support team. Were there trainers? Yes. Did they give the missionaries, the astronauts, the tools, education, and knowledge they needed to successfully complete the mission? And the answer is yes. What was the mission field? The moon? To the moon and back? But it was defined, right? Okay. So, who went on the mission? The astronauts? <laughs> Thank you, Sally. Um, was the mission executed? Did we actually do it? And was the mission a success? Okay. Now, how many are actually old enough in here to remember the Apollo, the Apollo projects. John, I know you are. <laughs> okay. It was 1969, well, 68 through 72 or 73 was the Apollo project. But Apollo 11 that landed on the moon, I think, was 69. Yeah. Okay. So, that being said, who here has been on a mission? No. 
If you remember, um, oh, I can't even think of his name right now, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, if you remember Ralph. His wife was on moon mission several times. <laughs> For those of us who are really old. <laughs> or experienced, I should say. Okay, so, um, I was in the Navy. I was on several missions. I've picked one to talk about because it's kind of light and humorous and shows how wisely the government uses the taxpayers' money at the same time. But we had a new commanding officer coming into the squadron. So we were commissioned by the executive officer to set up a party welcoming the new commanding officer. This is a dangerous thing to assign sailors to do, but they did it. Well, we discovered that the commanding officer's beverage of choice was beer, and his favorite beverage of choice was Coors. But at this time, which was 1971, Coors was not available east of the Mississippi. So to get Coors meant we had to leave Jacksonville, Florida, and go to Texas to buy it. But let's take this in order. Was the mission commissioned? Yes. The executive officer, who had the authority and the resources, told us to go do it. What was the objective? Bring back the cores, right? A beer run. Okay. Taxpayer money at work. What was the plan? Well, it was left mostly up to me, but we looked at our resources, and we had sailors, and we had airplanes. Need I say more? Did we have a support team? Yes, we had plane captains, we had fuel crew, we had air traffic controllers, we had the flight line. So you get the picture, there's, there's quite a crew, that, or quite a component that goes into this. Um, what was the mission field? Texas. The promised land, it's where the beer was. <laughs> was the mission executed? Yep. Was a mission of success. The commanding officer was absolutely stunned and happy. It made life for the next 18 months very enjoyable. The mission was a success. So as you see, these missions have, or this mission has the necessary components for a mission. Now let's look at, um, look at the Bible. Because I'm convinced if we look at the Bible, we'll find an awful lot of missions in the Bible. And I think the best place to start is at the beginning. So we're going to take a look at Adam and Eve. Now, if you recall, Adam was the first man. God had gone through creation and he had put everything in place. And on the sixth day, he decided to make man. So he forms Adam from the dust of the earth and breathes into him the breath of life, and Adam becomes a living creature in God's image and likeness. He takes Adam, plants the garden in Eden, and then he moves Adam into the garden, and in the garden he creates Eve. And together he gives Adam and Eve a mission statement, and you can find this in Genesis 1.28. And he says, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Does that sound like a mission statement? Was it commissioned by someone who had the authority and the resources? 
Yeah, God. Did it have an objective? Yep, subdue the earth. Why would God tell Adam and Eve to subdue the earth? Keep in mind that God had planted the Garden of Eden, and in Eden was a place that was like heaven on earth. And the commission they were given is to bring the entire world into that state. They were told to be, be fruitful and multiply and go subdue the earth, or bring the authority and rule of kingdom, of the kingdom of God, through Adam and Eve, to the world. Did it, uh, let me find my thing here. Was there a plan? And yes, God had a plan. Was there a support team or a support system? And yes, the entire planet was the support system. What was the mission field? The earth. Who were the missionaries? Adam and Eve. Did the mission succeed? They did not bring the whole world to be like the kingdom of heaven. But they were still on a mission. Okay, let's look at the next one. Um, Noah. Is everyone familiar with the story of Noah? You can find the story in Genesis 6, but Noah was the only person on the earth at that point who was actually walking with God. God had pretty much had it with everyone else and decided he was going to wash away all life, except Noah and Noah's wives and Noah's three sons and their wives. So in Genesis 6, 14 through 22, God gives Noah a commission. And the commission is, go build an ark. Collect the animals and save them. And God promised that he would see them through the flood. Again, was it commissioned? Yep. Did it have an objective? Did it have a support team? Did it have a plan? Were the missionaries? Yep. Did it succeed? Yes. Noah did everything God asked of him, and they made it through. How about the next one we want to look at quickly? Is Moses. Was Moses sent on a mission? Was it commissioned by God? Now, I don't want to make the assumption that everyone knows the story. So the Israelites had been in Egypt for around 400 years, and they were being really oppressed. Moses was born. He was an Israelite, but he was orphaned purposely at a very, very young age. And I don't know if it's days or weeks old. Put in a basket, floated to the other side of the river, and he was picked up by a member of Pharaoh's household. And he was raised for the first 40 years by Pharaoh as a royal member of the ruling place in Egypt. Around year 40, Moses goes out to watch the Israelites make their bricks and build their stuff, and he witnesses an Egyptian mercilessly beating one of the Israelites. And Moses, is, Moses kills him. And then Moses knows he's got to flee, so he runs and leaves Egypt and goes back to the area that's now, I believe, that's how Israel, and he lives there for another 40 years. He's about 80 years old when God calls him and gives him a commission. It's very interesting because they're talking back and forth, and God gets Moses' attention with the burning bush. 
and tells Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you will lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Is that a mission? Mm -hmm. So if we look at it in context with what a mission needs to have, does it have, is, is it commissioned by someone who can commission it? And yes. Does it have an objective? Get the people out of Israel. Get the Israelites out of Egypt, I'm sorry. Is there a plan? Yep. Support team? I would call God a support team. How about a mission field? Okay. Missionaries? And was it a success? Okay. I'm sorry, Sally? Eventually. Yeah. Well, it, it took the last third of Moses' life. The first third was in Pharaoh's house. The second third was a recluse out in the wilderness someplace. And the third was in the deserts. But he wasn't a recluse then. Okay. Let me propose one more. Jesus. Would anyone think Jesus was a missionary? Okay. Was he commissioned or sent by an authority that had the resources and the power to do it? So he fits there. Okay. Was there an objective? Whoop. Me and technology. This is almost scary. Um, let's back up to was he commissioned? If we look at John 17, verse 18, Jesus makes a statement in a prayer to his Father, as you sent me into the world. It sounds like Jesus is acknowledging God sent him. Okay. The objective, for the objective, we need to look, I mean, there are a lot of places in this to establish what Jesus is on a mission, but let's look at Luke 4, 16 through 21. And Jesus is in the synagogue. It says, he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. And as was custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the Pharaoh Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and handed it back. And then he said, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Does that sound like a mission statement? Okay. Was there a plan? Yeah, God had a plan. Was there a support team? I'm going to tell you that if you look at Matthew 3.16, where Jesus is baptized, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And that moment, heaven was opened. Heaven's a pretty good support team. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Isn't the Spirit of God a pretty good support team? Okay. Was there a mission field? And if you look at Matthew 15, 24, 
Jesus says, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So he's defining his mission field. Was there a missionary? Yep, Jesus was the missionary. Was the mission executed? And if there's any question on that, just look at the New Testament. That's all about it. Was it successful? Well, yeah. Everything Jesus intended to accomplish was accomplished. We're still doing it. Which brings me to, what about us? Are we missionaries? Okay, I'm getting a lot of nods, good. What is our mission? And I'm going to take you to John 20, 21. Jesus commissioned us when he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So who was our commissioning authority? Jesus. Jesus. <clears throat> now notice, as the Father sent me, if we really want to understand that and believe that, we have to look at how God commissioned and sent Jesus. Because Jesus right there says, as the Father sent me, I send you. What was the objective? The objective was to bring all of the earth under the rule of the kingdom of God. Don't we get that out of the Great Commission? Okay. Actually, if we look at the Great Commission, it answers all of these. The plan is to make disciples. The support team is the Holy Spirit. The mission field is all nations. Well, the word is ethnos, as used in the Great Commission. It does not mean political ent entities, but it's language or social groups, groups of people. Um, who are the missionaries? All of us, right? Every one of us who has come to believe in the name of the Lord is a missionary. Is the mission being executed? Yeah. We're in a war whether we want to believe it or not. The enemy is relentless. We are the ones commissioned by Jesus to push back darkness and bring forth light. It is our responsibility for bringing back the rule and reign of the king to the entire planet. That's the commission that we were given. So, if you look at this statement again, our mission is to make disciples. Well, if our mission is to make disciples, we have to understand who commissioned us, what the objective is, what the plan is, what the support team is, who the missionaries are, what the mission field is, and if we're meeting the objective. And I think we can look at this and all see that we're commissioned by Jesus to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. God has the plan, and he's going to give him credit. He's the best planner I've run across. Every time I tell him he's wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> Taking me 
almost 70 years to learn that the more I tell them yes, the better I am at getting of learning the truth. Telling them no is, it's, it's really neat. He doesn't get mad, he doesn't get upset. He just sort of pats me in the head and says, one day you'll learn. He doesn't run out of patience, but he doesn't waver either. And he's right, one day I will learn. Okay, so basically then, if we get our mission statement, we understand that we are to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. Not to the church. The church is part of our support group. We're supposed to bring it to the world. We believe that the best way to do this is by practicing, by practicing a naturally supernatural lifestyle. Naturally supernatural is an interesting concept. Um, it's credited to John Wimber, who was one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement. But to be naturally supernatural, you, you kind of have to be able to deal in the supernatural so much and so well that it's second nature. That makes sense? When was the last time you saw Jesus run to the phone booth to change into his cape before he did a healing or a miracle? And he didn't do that. If you look at the life of Jesus, he would be walking through a village or a town or chit-chatting with his disciples or doing whatever, and someone would come to me, and he didn't say, oh, wait a minute, nope, I've got to get the team together. Or he didn't give any excuses. He didn't give any time frames. He did not separate the moving with the Spirit of God from everyday simplistic things like taking a step or taking a drink of water or eating. It was just that ingrained into him that being supernatural was natural. And that's what it should mean for us. We should embrace the works of Jesus and the words of Jesus so completely that we don't have to change filters, we don't have to change mind frames, we don't have to change anything to flow with the will of the Father and the Spirit. We okay with that? Okay. So, what's our mission field? And in the Great Commission, it's all nations. We are supposed to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, was the quote from Jesus. I want to start thinking about something. What shape is our world in right now? Yeah, does everyone think that it's heaven on earth? What would your household look like, just your household now, if you truly believed what Jesus said about you and you truly acted toward people in love the way he would have? Would that make a difference in your household? Okay. Now I'm going to, I don't mean to be terse, but the Bible. We know what it says for the most part. We've read it. We've studied it. How many of us believe it in such a way that this governs our life? I do need to say that if you don't embrace all of this as truth, then it's just a nice collection of stories. It's either all true or it isn't.
And if we profess to be Christians, we know that this book is all true. And that means we are made in the likeness and the image of God. And that means we have the Holy Spirit. And that means we are righteous before God. And that means we can, just as Jesus did, go out into the world and change everything for the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus tells us we can do that. It's either all true or it's not. So, what would your neighborhood be like if your household really believed this and everyone in your household acted this way outside the house? Would it make a difference? What would your community look like if all of your neighbors acted this way toward everyone they met all the time? Would it make a difference? What would your city look like if your community acted this way all the time, every place they went? Am I beginning to make sense here? Because we can take it all the way to the world. And that is our mission statement. That's what that means when it says, our mission is to make disciples. And we believe that the best way to do this is by practicing, practicing a naturally supernatural lifestyle so that we bring to bear the presence of the king, the heart, mind, and love of the king in every situation we're in. We do the works of Jesus. We obey the words of Jesus. And we never forget. We used to have it on the back wall here. 1 Corinthians 4.20 for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. It's power in the Holy Spirit. Jesus moved in it, and we are commissioned by Jesus to move in it. So if we do this, if we become naturally supernatural, obey the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus, and we actively look for ways to reach out to our, and here's our mission field, neighbors and community, would it make a difference? Yeah. Now, I fall short every day. So I'm not accusing anyone. I know we do, and God loves us anyway. But what I'm going to charge us with is to examine where, what area we are not in submission to the Lord and take it to Him. He is the one that can build us, develop us, He's the support team, he's the training committee, he's the planning for us to go out in the world to do it. The church is part of the support team. We're here to edify the saints. We're here to build up everyone in the church so we can go do it. We're not here to sit here in the pews and look good for ourselves. That does not bring forth the kingdom. I'm going to get off that soapbox. <laughs> um... What I want to do now is just look at the person close to you, around you, and ask them if there's anything they need prayer with. And I want all of us to go to the Lord in prayer and have him tell us what areas we do good in and what areas we need to give more to him. He will never give you something you can't handle. His word says, I won't give you more than you can handle. You also don't have to worry about it being bad. 
because God said, I know the plans I have for you, and they're good. A lot of times we hold on to the old out of fear, and the fear is planted by who? The thief who comes to kill and destroy. He doesn't want good things for you. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want to move forward the kingdom, so he plants fear. Go to God and see what the fear is. He will walk you through it. He will build us, he will shape us, and he promises that he will never abandon us.